Hello everyone. What a privilege to be able to share something of my heart and what I feel the Holy Spirit's put on my heart today. So recently I was reading an article by an entrepreneur, businessman, who was um, writing about the way he wanted to live his life. And he entitled his article, Head in the Clouds, Feet on the Ground. And it was about being a visionary, thinking out of the box, and then the balance of that and being connected to being involved in a practical way, problem solving, um, hands-on, being hands-on and involved in the action. And I am going to entitle my talk, my preach today, Head in the Clouds, Feet on the Ground. But I'm going to tweak it and I'm going to use it in a different way because I believe it is so profoundly meaningful to us as believers in Jesus Christ, born into the family of God. And this is the way I want to use it. So, head in the clouds, for me, is keeping your eyes focused on Jesus. Living with hearts, with spirits, with minds, seated with Christ in heavenly realms. So that, from that place, he positions our feet and puts them on the ground in the spaces where he wants us, where he directs us to walk, where we are connected to the actions that are being inspired and prompted by the Holy Spirit. And we are taken by him, led by him into the purposes, his good plans and purposes that he's leading us into. And I believe with all my heart that this is the way that he wants us to live and that this is what he's calling us into today. So what does this life, what does this lifestyle look like? Let's just unpack, elaborate a little bit more. I've got three points to suggest to you. Living in intimate connection with Jesus has to be the first and the most predominant and the most important point ever because it's his spirit that lives inside us. Living in intimate connection with Jesus throughout the circumstances, good or bad, that we're in, throughout the practical activities of every day, always having this deep connection and having access to all the resources of heaven through the Holy Spirit. You know, we're very good with our theology. We all know this. We know everything. Got it. Yeah, that fits into that box. That's, I know that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But today, I believe what God wants to do through the Holy Spirit present with us and in us is to massage that into the very depths of our being. To have the revelation of all the resources of heaven be, being available to us the peace, the joy, the wisdom, the power, the victory in Christ, whatever it is that you need in any given instance, it's available because of the cloud of his presence in and with us. Second point, following the cloud, responding to that presence of the Holy Spirit with us and in us so that our path as individuals and as corporate body 
the church is not mapped out just according to what we think might be a good idea. It's actually mapped out by the Spirit of God every step of the way. And we've heard a lot about every step being a destination, step by step mapped out by the presence of the Spirit within us. What about point number three, feet on the ground? And I think this is an important one. Our actions from the smallest gesture to the largest decision, move, venture, directed by him, partnered with him, just a practical outworking of the cloud of his presence in our lives. Again, we tend as humans, sometimes we feel more in control when we can just like compartmentalize our life. Um, this is Jesus, number one, God is one, and then it comes to my family, my work, we compartmentalize. But truly, if there can be a practical outworking in every single, even from the tiniest to the biggest, practical activity in our lives, a practical outworking of the cloud of his presence, that we actually know we are his hands and his feet. Practically, each one of us uniquely living out the heart of the Father. That, for me, is the way I want to live my life. And I want to suggest to you that it's what God is calling each one of us to. So, let's think back a little bit to the Old Testament. I love it because um, it's not only the history of God's people, it's actually the history, it's a testimony of God's working with his people and his incredible faithfulness as we've been singing today. And the Old Testament is a foreshadowing and a picture of what is to be fulfilled and new. So there were the Israelites led by Moses out of Egypt. Um, and they had to, as we all know the story, they had to cross the Red Sea. They had to literally walk their way through the desert, the wilderness. And they were led by the cloud, the cloud of his presence, the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. They didn't have a map. I mean, Moses had spent quite a long time in the desert, the wilderness area. He could have easily tried to strategize and think, okay, well, let me make a few plans. I've got some ideas. No, they had no map. They followed the cloud. They followed the pillar of fire. It was God's intention for them to rely on him, to respond to him, to hear him, to see him, and to follow him. And I, I believe my, with all my heart that it was his intention for every single person to be able to see him, hear him, follow him. But, <laughs> you know, the people, you know what they were like? They decided that the whole thing was going to work much better if it was at a distance. So remember they said to Moses, Moses, you go up the mountain. Come on, you go to the tent of meeting. You tell us what God says. Um, of course, there were some with a similar heart to Moses, Aaron, Miriam, others like that, Joshua, who stayed in the tent of meeting. But basically, for most people, it was, Moses, you're the man of power. Just, just go for it. You tell us the way forward. You hear God for us, and we'll worship and we'll watch from a distance. And while it wasn't God's plan, I don't believe for anyone at the time, um, it certainly is not his plan for us today. It's just a challenge. Let's, let's read, though, from Exodus 33, verses 8 to 11. This is what it says. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, 
All the people rose and they stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And later, the Lord reassures Moses, Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But it was like it was Moses who would go to the tent of meeting with the cloud of the presence. It was Moses whom God met as a friend and showed his glory. Friends, that was the old covenant. Now, under the new covenant, praise God, it's a very, very different reality. God has made the way through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. For his blood shed for us on the cross, everything, but everything changed. It's all about God having that close friend, face-to-face, friendship, intimate, and presencing himself with every single believer. And it's just the most exciting and the most wondrous thing. And may we never lose the sense of wonder of what we actually have, what God has given us. So we are reborn by the Spirit of God. We can't even be saved without the Spirit rebirthing us. And I want to say we're reborn to a life we're reborn to life as a completely new creation. A completely new type of human being, in fact. A person who is designed and intended by God to walk this earth connected both to heaven and to earth. Always. This connection. Always. That's God's intention. That's, God's intention. That's what Jesus bought for us. That's our inheritance. Living both in heavenly realms with Jesus and living in our natural earthly status as humans on this planet. I mean, that is like so awesome. It should just blow us away time after time. We can become so jaded. So it's just like water off a duck's back. This is how he's designed us to live. In heavenly realms, connected, seated there with Jesus now, not only in heaven one day now, and then living as this natural human on the earth, but this, this connections which makes us different, a new creation, a new sort of human being. Some key verses for this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new is here. What about Ephesians 2, verse 6? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It's real. It's not just a theology. God's plan for us is to be on earth, connected with heaven, and in this way, bring heaven to earth. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? So... Let's just recap. The cloud of his presence is an interior cloud 
God, the Holy Spirit himself, within us. Always there with us, in us, to lead us, guide us, counsel us, to comfort, heal, and to pour all the resources of heaven into our lives so that we can in turn pour them into the world around us. I love the fact that God's presence manifests as a cloud. I just love that. And let's just reference some of the clouds in the Bible. Old Testament, the cloud of his presence that filled the temple when Solomon dedicated the temple. It filled the temple and the people just bowed down and worshipped him. It's incredible presence, cloud of his presence. And then in the New Testament, think of Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain where he went with Peter and James and John. He was transfigured, it tells us, and a bright cloud covered him. And the Father spoke. And as we just receive that reality of the cloud of the presence in our lives today, I believe we also need to, these, need to hear these words for ourselves. They were spoken by the Father to Jesus, but we as his sons and daughters can actually receive them for ourselves today. This is what the Father said about Jesus. This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. And then he tells us to listen to him. How about receiving that into your spirit today? This is my son, my daughter, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And then, of course, after Jesus' resurrection, um, before he ascended, he, or as he ascended, he, there was this cloud and he was hidden by the cloud as he went into heaven. So, clouds represent God's manifest presence. And even today, there is often a cloud that you can sense with your physical senses. You can feel it or you can smell the presence of Jesus or you can see it. Um, Helmut and I had an experience when we were visiting Bethel that we'll never forget, right? There was the dust cloud that came into the evening meeting. That beautiful manifestation of the presence of God. And we were ministered to very personally and tangibly in a way that we'll never forget. Something that stays with you. But there's also the cloud of God's presence that one can't always see or notice with one's physical senses, but it's nevertheless very real. It's always powerful and it's always transforming. And I think back of corporate meetings when people have come in and they say, so what is this? They are filled with the sense of the Spirit. And often that is the way that they find salvation in Jesus. Or otherwise, it's just the way that God begins to change and transform lives. Um, we were talking earlier this week with a couple who came to our church in Germany. First time, they just came and looked in the door and just what is happening here? What is going on? What do I sense? Bit by bit, him first, then her, they, they came in, and they came into that corporate anointing, that corporate sense of God's presence. They came to Jesus, and the transformation began. The Spirit began to change broken, shattered lives into the lives of the sons and daughters of God. 
really accessing all the inheritance. And at the moment, they're ministering as a family in Romania, ministering to the poor, the marginalized, and just experiencing miracle after miracle. And they're like, people can't even believe it when we tell them the kind of things God is doing. Transformation, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in our lives, it's a reality. Sometimes even a one-on-one -on -one reaction, and an interaction, I should say, I love it when you're with a person, maybe just talking. Um, we experienced something on Friday, didn't we? Where God's presence just comes, and in the midst of tears, it's just such a download of his joy. How many ministers to our hearts and souls? And we want to thank him for that. The miracle-working power of the presence of God. It's so awesome. That's what Jesus carried, and that's how Jesus lived. Everywhere he put his feet, he brought that redeeming love and the transforming power of God. Jesus was in constant communication and communion with the Father, living his life in oneness with his Father in heaven, seeing what the Father sees, saying what the Father says, doing what the Father does, every action and word, a perfect expression of the heart of the Father. Isn't that what we want that's where we want. That's where we want to live our lives, right? So let's read in John 14, um, where Jesus is actually speaking to his friends and disciples. And he says, don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father. For he lives in me and he performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father, and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I've done. I tell you this time this truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I just I love how this passage explains how Jesus' actions and the works he does flow directly from this heavenly connection with his Father. And then how Jesus makes it clear that actually this way of living is his plan for us, that we should live in heavenly connection. Um, he goes on to explain in verses 16 and 17 how the Father will give us that Holy Spirit who, according to the Passion Translation, um, tells us he will be a friend to you, be a friend to us, and he will never leave us. The world can't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and he will live inside of you. We Father, Son, Holy Spirit will come to you and make you our dwelling place. How awesome is that? Loved, filled, and led by the inner cloud of the Spirit. I love how Jesus gives this oneness with the Father and Spirit practical outworking and physical expression in his life. I love that. So how does he do this? Thinking of feet on the ground, practicality. Let's remember how Jesus, I mean, this was his last short time on earth. It was the night before the Passover. And he 
washed the disciples' feet. It says in John 13, verse 1, throughout his time with his disciples, Jesus had demonstrated a deep and tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. What a lofty concept. The love of God. Wonderful. Heavenly. But Jesus gets right down onto the ground to wash their dirty feet. And he tells them to make a lifestyle out of doing the same thing for each other. In expressing the heart and spirit of God, that action for me showed humility. It showed just such a heart of love to serve in the lowliest, most hands-on kind of way. Nothing more practical than getting done washing somebody's feet. That's what he did. That's how he made it practical. Even after his resurrection, now he's got his new body, this new body that's going to ascend into heaven, but he was feet on the ground. Remember how when he met his disciples on the beach, I mean, he had a message to give to them. But he could have like stood on a rock. He could have stood in a boat and preached from the boat. But what did he do? He actually got down onto that sand. First of all, he gave them a miraculous, huge, enormous, enormous catch of fish. So that was a gift they could understand and totally appreciate straight away. Food. Food. And then he gets down and he lights a fire to fry fish. He has bread ready. And then he calls them, come, come and have breakfast. Practical. Feet on the ground. Beach, breakfast, fry. How's that? Straight to their hearts. Very practical expression of love as he feeds them. And then he talks of love. And he tells Peter to feed his lambs and his sheep. I believe that's a call and a commission for all of us. The spiritual and the practical are connected. They are to become one in our lives. Head in the clouds, feet on the ground, as we walk out what the Spirit shows us. Like Jesus. We all we want to be like Jesus. And we know that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. We have the interior cloud of the Spirit in us. All heaven's resources are our birthright. When we're born by the Spirit into the kingdom of God through the blood of Christ, all heaven's resources are our birthright. We download heaven's resources from the cloud within us. Does that make sense? I mean, just as we can download apps from the cloud, like iCloud or whatever it is, in the same way, in a far more profound and wonderful way, obviously, but we can download the resources of heaven from the cloud within us. Through the Holy Spirit within us, into our lives, all the resources, the the attributes of God, wisdom, knowledge, creativity, insight, power, courage, healing, available to us. What about the attributes and nature of the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit living in and through us, 
love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and more. They're available. We can download those heavenly resources of the Spirit into our lives because it's a living thing. Spirit is a living person of the Godhead manifesting himself from within us. The Spirit, through us, can change the atmosphere and bring transformation. I'll say it again. The Spirit in and through us can change the atmosphere and bring transformation. Um, and I find, I mean, within myself and here for many others, we can be intimidated by the atmosphere. We're like, whoa, you walk into a room or a situation, you're like, you can cut the atmosphere with a knife. It's so much aggression or darkness or pain or negativity or conflict or what, whatever the situation, or fear, whatever the situation might be. And you can sort of back off. But we carry the atmosphere of heaven. And we can bring change as we download the resources of heaven through us into that particular atmosphere. The Lord's peace or joy or boldness or whatever it is, is not manufactured by circumstances or kind of whipped up and manufactured by us. No matter what we are feeling, what our emotions are, no matter what's going on in the atmosphere around us, what is downloaded from heaven for us and others is a gift. It's a gift of God. So no matter what you're experiencing, it could be deep pain, it could be sadness, it could be trauma or overwhelming sense of depression or disappointment. That's okay. Even in the midst of that experience, in the midst of tears, the joy the peace, the resources of heaven are downloaded as a gift to transform your situation or the situation of others. Humanly, is it possible to make that kind of leap? Many people think, no, not even for a Christian. I mean, must process it, like go through therapy, have medication, all of which are very, very helpful and should not be in any way um, disregarded. But what is also even a greater truth and reality is that with God, this exchange, this download of His attributes and nature are possible to be given to us at any given moment to change and transform. He gave us His Spirit and He empowered us to live beyond our natural ability. So let's pause on that. He gave us his spirit and empowered us to live beyond our natural ability. And by faith, through the spirit, we're able to receive that miracle of his attributes. It's part of our birthright to partake of the divine na nature. The supernatural manifestation in us of his nature. We often say, Jesus lives in my heart. We say to the children, did you invite Jesus to live in your heart? Yes. Jesus lives in my heart. Well, if he lives in our hearts, let's let him out. <laughs> let him, by his spirit, saturate every nook and cranny, every part of our beings. Let's let him out. And I speak to myself first and foremost. But for all of us, let's let him out. 
to saturate our lives with his presence. Let's download from heaven into every aspect of our life. Let's give Jesus what he paid for, right? He paid a huge price to win us. He gave us this incredible birthright, all these resources. Let's give him what he paid for. And I'm feeling to highlight, in conclusion today, I'm actually feeling to highlight joy because a number of us were given these words, the goodness of God, the joy, as actually keys to this year. This year when there's so much depression, anxiety, alienation, isolation, pain. This year, he's given that as a key. The joy of heaven the love of Jesus. I think we need an invasion of the supernatural love and joy of Jesus. A heavenly download. The environment of heaven is joy. In your presence is fullness of joy, Psalm 16 says. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. The Bible says, Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his fellows. Hebrews 1 verse 9. In other words, the Father anointed Jesus with more joy than any other being in the universe. And Jesus lives in me. Jesus can live in you or lives in you. I'm, I'm actually blown away by the joy, the love, the glory we have access to in our union with God. And I think we can lose that wonder. We can lose that. God just pray that you would restore that to us today, the wonder and the reality of all we have access to through Jesus. I want to read you something that Johannes Kepler said. He was um, a mathematician and an astronomer and a, a key figure in the scientific revolution of the 17th century. And he wrote about what he felt when at last he found, discovered, and documented the laws of the movements of the planets. And he describes not only his own feelings about his discovery, what he achieved, but his feelings about God. This is what he says. Listen, I give myself over to rapture. Nothing I've ever felt before is like this. I tremble. My blood leaps. God has waited 6,000 years for a looker-on to recognize his work. His wisdom is infinite. That of which we are ignorant is contained in him as well as the little that we know. God is big. God is glorious. And this great, big, magnificent, glorious God has brought us into himself through Jesus Christ and chooses to live in us, to poison himself in us through his spirit. We can partner with him, rely on him, respond to the cloud of his presence in us. We never have to be just left to our own inadequate devices, resources. We don't have to forever wander the very limited mazes of our own maps for ourselves and our lives. The creator of the universe marks out our paths individually and also corporately. He marks out the path we to travel, and you know what? He fills us with power and strength and the joy to walk it in victory. Isn't that magnificent?
There is a divine exchange that Jesus brings. He read it of himself when he read in the synagogue. It was a prophecy by Isaiah of what Jesus would bring. And when he read from the scriptures in the synagogue, he read this about himself. It was like outlining what it was all about, the gospel that he was bringing. And I'm going to end with this today. Before I even read it, Holy Spirit, I ask you to make this not a mental collecting of words, nice as they are, beautiful sounding as they are. I pray, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, that you would massage this, this reality, the wonder of this reality of what you have given us, how you've presented yourself in us and the divine exchange you've brought us. Massage it into the very depths of our depths of our being, Jesus. Thank you. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The day, the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the display of his splendor. <laughs>